Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, the ending part of that chapter, as you're turning there, again, I just want to testify, right, to that song we just sang, uh, uh, the Jesus that we follow and worship isn't just some statue that's in uh, uh, the closet of our house, he's not just some figment of our imagination, he is uh, God, right, who is above all, the one who is in control, the one who is over uh, darkness and fear, the one who uh, is over the storms in our life. And man, for that reason, he, uh, we ought to worship him. Amen. Uh, we ought to uh, sing praises to him uh, because he is the one who is uh, worthy. Uh, and so Ephesians chapter three, continuing our series uh, through the book uh, this morning, we're looking at uh, Paul's second prayer. Uh, for the Ephesian church, and uh, you'll see here in this chapter, really, he um, wraps up, essentially, uh, the, the first three chapters are, are really the first section of his letter uh, to this church. As I mentioned in the beginning of the series, uh, in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters has to do with doctrine, uh, and the last three chapters has to do with praxis or practice. Uh, you know, how to walk this life, which we'll look at here in the coming weeks. But he wraps up uh, his um, uh, his uh, co- his portion uh, of uh, speaking to doctrine here in chapter three by talking about a prayer that he is praying over uh, the church. The second one, as I uh, just mentioned, the first part of chapter three, he speaks to his life right in the mystery of this gospel, how it came to the Gentile people. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, uh, This gospel message wasn't just for the ethnic Jews, man. It was for everyone. And he speaks to how that is the mystery of the gospel, the fact that uh, it is made available to all people. Uh, And then he wraps up uh, by speaking to this prayer. And so with that being said, if you've got uh, God's word open, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. And uh, we're going to read together. The verses are on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's word in front of you. Uh, But this is what the word of the Lord uh, says. Says this, for this reason, I bow my uh, knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, uh, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Paul, right in this Roman prison, man, prays this prayer over uh, the church at Ephesus and You know, for us, this is a prayer that we ought to be praying over one another, similar to what I talked about when we looked at the prayer uh, at the end of chapter one. Uh, But also we see here uh, just some characteristics, if you will, for how man, our Christian faith uh, ought to be. Uh, Paul prays for these certain characteristics to be evident in the life of the church at Ephesus, right in the same way these characteristics ought to be man alive in 
uh, us. And so with that being said, let me pray one more time for us and then we'll jump into uh, the message together. Father God, we do again come to you. We thank you, Lord, that in your name there is power, Lord. God, we thank you that, God, today, wherever we are, Lord, we can God, meet with you. We thank you that we already have, Lord, by way of worship. And so, God, I ask and pray this morning as we God, walk through your scripture, Lord, that you would uh, continue to meet with us. Speak to us, Lord. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, we would be a people that and exhibit some of these characteristics that we see Paul pray over the church at Ephesus, Lord, in our own life. Pray that we'd be a people that prays that these would be evident and seen in the lives of our fellow believers. And Lord, I pray and just ask ultimately that we'd be a people that leave different than the way we came this morning, Lord, because we've met with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Entitled the message today, uh, hope for the Christian Life, Man, what are some characteristics? What are the characteristics, I should say, that we see here in this passage that, man, ought to be seen and ought to be evident in our life uh, as followers of Christ? Because here's the deal. As we know, right, we, uh, no matter how long you've been saved, we have not arrived when it comes to our Christian faith. We won't arrive, right, until we're face to face with Jesus, right, to made whole in him. Uh, and so while we are here, Right. Uh, as Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, man, what are some of these characteristics we ought to see in our own life as uh, well? Well, I, I believe there's a few of uh, them and I want to highlight them this morning in the message. The first characteristic, man, that, that we ought to see in our Christian life uh, is this a life in humble submission to the Lord. A life in humble submission to the Lord. Verses 14 and 15 speak to that. And it's really uh, more or less uh, not necessarily Paul's uh, a prayer, right, the specifics of his prayer, but it's more so his posture right as he prays. He says here, right, that, hey, I bow my knees before the Father, right, uh, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Speaking to the specifics of this God, Yahweh God. We see here Paul exhibit a posture of humility. Again, put yourself in, in the context there. Paul is in a Roman prison. First century Rome, right, in, in prison there. He was most likely chained, right, to a Roman guard while he was there in that dusty, dirty old prison. And he says in the midst of all that, he still chose to humbly bow before the Lord in prayer. Paul was a guy that exhibit, exhibited humble submission to him, and it showed right in his posture. Now, you may say, Pastor Irv, what are you saying, right? It, it, uh, uh, is, is it more humbling, if you will, to, to bow our knees in prayer versus standing up and praying? Does God hear our prayers better when we bow our knees and pray than when we stand? No, not necessarily, but it is more humbling. Think about it in a culture where, you know, we probably said it before. Hey, listen, I ain't bowing down to no man. Well, Us, hey, choosing to, man, bow down before the God of the universe and run to him with our 
prayers, our cries, run to him with our fears, right? It speaks to uh, humility here. We can learn something from Paul's approach. There's something about, man, humbly approaching the throne of grace and saying, Lord, I need you. This more or less speaks to posture. Hey, a, a hope for the Christian life ought to be for us to exhibit a humble posture at all times. Again, I know I'm talking, to, probably talking to some decorated folks, folks that have accomplished or will accomplish more in their life and their career and work than, man, I probably ever will or what many other people will. But listen, even in the midst of that, man, we ought to have a heart that humbly submits to the God that's allowed us to do whatever we've been able to do. And that's what we see, man, Paul have here. Man, a life in humble submission to the Lord. I love this quote from uh, theologian T.B. Joshua. He says it like this. True humility means total dependence on God for everything. That was Paul's posture, man. He was smart. He was read up. He was well-versed. But in that Roman prison, Right. He knew the only way, the best way he could minister to those those Ephesian Christians was to humbly bow before him. And pray to him. And in the same way, man, we ought to exhibit uh, that. Man, it's all about posture, whether it is bowing uh, down right uh, uh, before him, whether it's, uh, you know, standing and praying to him, whether it's, man, hey, lying prostrate in prayer before him. The, uh, The point is, man, we ought to have a right heart posture. A posture of humility toward him. Right. That's the first hope for the Christian life. We ought to see a life in humble submission to uh, the Lord. Secondly, we see here in the text, just keep moving here. Right. Secondly, uh, what, what we ought to see exhibited in our life as followers of Christ, not only right, a life of humble submission to the Lord, but man, us choosing to be folks that live out a spirit filled life. Right. Paul prays for that here, starting in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Right. The crux of the prayer here is that Paul is praying for the believers there in Ephesus meant to uh, essentially walk in the spirit, to live a spirit filled life. He understood right the importance of that. We've talked about it, right? All the persecution that they were facing, right? The wicked emperor at the time, Nero, that was reigning and ruling there. He understood that, hey, their knowledge about God and the Bible wasn't going to be enough for them to be able to stand in the midst of it. He understood that, hey, uh, uh, their ability to do good things every once in a while wasn't going to be enough for them to be able to stand when difficulty came. He he prayed, man, that they would uh, be able to understand, experience, and walk in. The spirit filled life. And in the same way, church, hey, that ought to be us. Ought to be us. We've got to understand that, hey, you can't live the Christian life the way God called you to live it on your own, by your own power, in your own strength. So instead of being afraid of, hey, we hear spirit filled life. Oh, man, you know, we're going to be walking crazy. Instead of being afraid of that, we ought to understand that, hey, spirit of God dwells, lives inside of us. And the call for us is to uh, operate, to live. Right under submission to him and allow for him to lead our life. That's what spirit filled life is all about, man. Asking him to daily fill us, coming under control of him and allow for him to move. Paul understood that the spirit at work in the believer was of the utmost importance. And in the same way, we need the spirit to work in our 
lives. As Paul mentioned in an earlier letter, 2 Corinthians 4, right? He, he said this, hey, dude, we're, we're fragile clay pots withering away on the outside, right? But hey, in Christ, man, our inner means being renewed every single day. And we're walking in spirit-filled life, man, that's what happens, man. Our inner self is being renewed each and every day. And for us, man, that ought to be true. We ought to be folks that live the spirit-filled life. What specifically does he pray in pertaining to them living the spirit-filled life? Well, he prays, number one, for the strength to live this life. As I just mentioned there, he says that in verse 16, right? The, this strength for us, right? To uh, live in the spirit-filled life allows us to have the strength to be able to, man, run away from uh, temptation of sin, to flee from sin, man. It, give, uh, it gives us the strength to share our faith, gives us the strength to love uh, that neighbor, gives us the strength to disciple our kids when we're tired, gives us the strength to share the gospel with the lost. Right. The spirit of God, man, gives us the strength and ability to be able to, to live this life that we we're called to live at the end of the day. We can't do that on our own. I'll give you a prime example of that. Brother Tom, man, flying back, you know, from uh, proposing uh, to my girlfriend this weekend. Right. Flying back. Oh, oh appreciate, oh, appreciate it. What do you think of that? But but flying back. Listen, I'm on the plane and uh, man sitting down. I'm getting comfortable. Right, I've got my show on, my little iPad there, I'm getting ready to relax. And I sit next to one of those guys on the plane, man, that just, they just loves to talk, you know. You know what I'm talking about. Don't have to know what I'm talking about. Sitting next to this guy, I've got my earphone in, my, you know, my headphone in. He's still trying to talk to me. Hey, what's your name, man? I said, oh, it's Irv, you know, and I'm trying to be quick with it. I'm eating a sandwich, got my food there, eating a sandwich. Mid-bite. Hey, so man, is Dallas home for you? You know, so, of course, it's 15 seconds of awkwardness as I'm chewing, trying to swallow my food to answer his question. I've got I've got it playing, you know, got my show playing. He's asking questions left and right. And then he finally asked what I want to do. And, man, hey, I was in the flesh at that point in time, Brother Randy. I didn't want to answer that. I wanted to just say, yeah, man, I work for a nonprofit and just move on. But but hey, but you know what I said? Oh man, this is a, this is a door opener, right? God is opening a door in this moment, perhaps, to, to be able to share the gospel. So, you know, told him, you know, uh, worked at a church, right? And, uh, and we got to talk and had some good conversation after that. He was an interesting guy, but, but I say all that to say, man, hey, it's not natural. Hey, for us to, to want to share the gospel with you, it's not natural for us to want to do things in the supernatural, right? In our own accord. We, hey, we, hey, we need, Man, the spirit to strengthen us to live. Doesn't matter who you are. Man, hey, you, you need man, God's spirit to strengthen you. He says that, man, strength to live the Christian life, he says it there. But then in verse 17, he says this. Man, he also prays for them to allow for the Savior to rule their heart. Rule their heart. In verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's interesting that word dwell there uh, is an important word in the context here. You know, most times that the certain word used for dwell in the New Testament speaks to just simply uh, uh, inhabit. Uh, but Paul uses a stronger word for dwell here. He uses that word, uh, uh, you know, uses the, the word that speaks more so to settling down, to taking up residence, not hey, here, not just staying for a cup of coffee. Hey, but settling down, settling in, 
make, making that place home. So, so what is he saying here? He is saying, right, he's praying that the Ephesian church would learn, right, to allow for Jesus, hey, to settle in and rule their heart. Not, hey, not, not, not just be a temporary resident that's there for a little while that, hey, that's just there taking lead whenever you need him and then whenever life's good, you just roll on. No, no. He's praying that, man, the church would make Jesus, right, the ruler of their life. And in the same way, man, may we choose uh, to do that. We need the Spirit's help to, uh, to live a life that's not just all right with the Lord, man, being with us when things are are good or when things are bad or when we need them, but we need the Spirit to enable us to allow for Him to rule and reign in every season of life, to allow for us to understand what Galatians 2.20 says, that we have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in and through us. So He's the boss. He's the boss. And we got to allow for Him to take root and reside in us. We see that Paul, man, prays for them to live the spirit-filled life. Thirdly, I hope for the Christian life that we see here in the text, man, is that he prays that they would live a life saturated in the love of God. Verses 17 through 19, uh, 17b through 19 speak to that, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Our Christian life, church, man, ought to be saturated, man, in the love of God. Oh, that love of God. It's not, by no accident that Paul repeatedly speaks to uh, this love, right? We've looked at it. Man, in several passages during this series, man, he, he understood the value and importance, right, of the Ephesian church understanding this agape love, right, that as he talks about, man, hey, uh, surpasses all understanding. It didn't make any lick of sense. Why, why, man, hey, God would choose to show love to us, a broken people, man, a people far from God, a, a people that repeatedly, even at, even as safe folks, man, repeatedly. At times, by the way that we live our life, spit on him, man. He still continually loves us. He prays for them, man, hey, to be saturated in that love and allow for that love, man, to lead their life. Man, our Christian life ought to be one, man, that shows that we're filled with the love of God. First John 9, or First John 4, verses 9 through 10. John the Beloved, uh, man, writes... About God's love. He says this in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or wrath absorber for our sins. Man, we ought to live a life saturated in the love of God. Paul goes into specifics here and talking about what this saturated life, uh, you know, saturated or this life lived saturated in the love of God looks like. He first off, man, prays, and this ought to be seen in our life as well. He prays that, man, they would rest in the love of God, rest in his love. Man, rooted and grounded in his love, man, hey, it, it speaks to resting, making our identity in 
that. Right. It speaks to his, our identity in the Lord and his love for us. So so listen, you, you may not as a believer, you may not feel man love from the world. Right. Hey, as a believer, man, you might have walked through broken, beat up relationships. Right. And, and man, you know, experienced love that was fleeting uh, in a sense. But listen, in spite of all that, man, we ought to be folks that learn how to rest in the love of God that we've experienced. That will never leave us. We've got to be folks that learn to root and ground ourselves, man, in his love. Not, hey, not just simply, man, a take, oh, yeah, man, I've been forgiven by God. Hey, just to simply take that lightly. Hey, but to allow for that, hey, to be, man, our identity. We're forgiven. Love, freed in him. I love the quote from C.S. Lewis. He's probably the one that made it most probably. I bet folks have said this all throughout, but one that made it popular. He said this. The great thing to remember is that though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Feelings may come and go. Seasons are going to come and go. Struggles are going to come and go. But God's love is there to stay. And so, listen, because of that, we can learn to rest in his love that he's shown us. And a life saturated in the love of God is learning to rest in his love. But also, secondly, it's learning, man, to realize how great this love is for us. Verse 18, when you look at it at its face, it seems a little oxymoronic. <laughs> Paul says, hey, we pray. I pray that, man, you'd have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length and the depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He prays that they would know uh, this love that surpasses understanding. Seems a little oxymoronic. So what, what's Paul praying there? Man, he's, he's praying that man, they would experience and in the same way that we would be a people that experience just how great this love is. Corey Ten Boom said it like this. Hey, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Like that old hymn, right? The love of God. Hey, it reaches to the highest star, brother Ed. And reaches down to the lowest tail. I know I've quoted that a few times. I love the song, so, you know, I'm sorry, not sorry. But thankful for that love, man. Hey, we, hey, we, we ought to realize how great this love is that we've been shown. He prays that, man. We ought to pray that over one another. And we ought to live that, at our, live that out ourselves. How great this love is. And then thirdly. Right. Living a life saturated is love is also remembering, man, that this love is experienced is experienced. Look at the text there to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's speaking to this uh, experience as as we continue right to walk with the Lord. Man, hey, we experience, hey, just how deep his love is for us. What Paul is saying this is, yes, understanding with your mind, right, how great God's love is. But, man, understanding that this love is also experienced. We experienced it at salvation, but also we experience it, man, as we walk with him. And he's with us, man, during those difficult times. Hey, hey, we experience it as we walk with him. And we see the graces then that he's shown us in and through our life. 
is experience. It's, it's more than just intellectual. It's more than just having a knowledge about it. It's more than just reading a book about it. Man, it's experienced. Give you a prime example. Going back to the whole fiance thing, right? She adopted a girl, and whenever we uh, get married, right, I plan on adopting her as well. But hanging out th- this past weekend, talking about experiential love, I remember one of the evenings, uh, Kaylin had to do something, so I was hanging out with Lily, her daughter, and they had Bluey on the Screen, you know, that that old show, learning a lot about that, you know, taking notes on that. Had Bluey up there, watching it, and she was sitting there and, you know, moved to sitting near me. And I remember one moment, Brother Andrew, never forget it. We got further into the show, she curled up next to me. And it was one of those, hey, experiential moments. Learned, you know, heard a lot about, man, hey, a child's love for their parent. Read a lot of books about it. But, man, I hadn't experienced anything like that before. It's different. And, and hey, in the same way, to catch my drift here, in the same way when it comes to our walk with God, man. Hey, this love, and it's experiential as we walk with him. And as we commune with him, man, we experience how great this love is. And so walk with him. Journey with him. Spend time with him. Remember that this love is experienced. And then fourthly and lastly, and I'm through. Before I start tearing up up here, let me go ahead and land the play. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Fourthly and lastly. As we as we wrap up, right, uh, hope for the Christian life. What does Paul pray for the church and what ought to be seen in our life, right? Uh, uh, fourthly and lastly, man, we ought to see in our own lives a life that seeks to give God the glory at the end of the day. Verse 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Paul, this is really a summary, what we call a a doxology, one of the many doxologies in the scripture, right? A a praise, if you will. Just really a summary, kind of closing this portion of uh, the letter before he transitions into the next portion. But it's important uh, that we see and understand the value here. Paul, man, in his life. Man, when Christ saved him, changed him, radically changed him, he looked to live a life, man, that honored and glorified God at the end of the day. Right. And the reason why he did was what verse 20 says. He understood, man, that, hey, all glory goes to him because he's able to do far more abundantly than he could have ever done. This is holy conjecture, but I probably see Paul here, man, looking back at his life. Think back, man, I was pretty accomplished in all in Judaism. I was pretty accomplished in, man, hey, knowing the law and living out the law. But, man, Christ radically saved me. And, and look where I'm at now. Yeah, I'm in a Roman jail cell. It's tough right now. But, but look at what all God has done. He's probably thinking about, man, the church at Ephesus and, and, and how it got its start. 
during the early points, about 10 years prior to this. And he's trying to help remind the, the Christians there in Ephesus, hey, remember, hey, give all glory by how you live to him. He's able to do far more abundantly, man, than we can ask for or think, man, give him the glory. And then he wraps up in verse 21, right, by giving him the glory in that glory statement there. And for us, right, the takeaway for us is, man, to live a life, man, that brings glory and honor to his name, not ours. Church, in Christ, our life is not our own anymore. It's not about us. It's about him. And living, man, with what we have left, the time that we've got here, living a life, man, that points others to him, that gives glory to him. Living out what Psalm 115.1 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. A life that's lived for self misses seeing God in action in and around our lives. We may be able to accomplish and do great things on our own, but hey, it doesn't compare a lick, man, to what God can do in and through each of us. And so, man, hey, let him work in and through you and look to live a life that glorifies him in the end. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Hope for the Christian life. Man, may our life Man, exhibit some of these characteristics that Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. And may we, too, choose to be a people that pray these characteristics over, man, our fellow believers.